Welcome back, another episode of the Koi's Are Us podcast. I'm Joel. We've got Kim, we've got Jesse, we've got Ben, and we are the Koi's Are Us podcast. Back to discuss another Tottenham win. Um, Tottenham wins at home. They saved it right for the end. Uh, 2 1 win against Brighton. And I said in the last episode, we owed them after that drubbing that they put on us during the uh, Christmas break. So. Uh, we we <laughs> we made it interesting though, as Spurs tend to do, um, and and our streak continues of of having every um, having a goal in every Premier League game this season, uh, which is nice. And I guess uh, just like if we want to start with a bit of a whip around, how would you? Uh, what's 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 maybe one word you would describe use to describe that that win against Brighton? Spursy. I mean, it's the it's the the two the two coins of or the two sides of the the Thanos uh, thing that he holds in his finger with the balance. Like, if it spurs you to to lose games at the death and blow points away, it's also like name a team that's that's had more of these last second, last minute. Uh, you know, whether it's Stevie Bergwijn, whether it's the the Manchester City stuff. I mean, there's always we're always not always Lucas so Moore. Often, I mean, the best Lucas one. Moore. I mean, there's there's just season after season swap out the the team swap out the stakes swap out the players swap out the opponents um spurs love making changing games late sometimes it's for our benefit sometimes it's uh for uh the other teams but it's always entertaining for neutrals um and so yeah spursy is uh is the one for me yeah my word was nervy <laughs> that's how i felt it was it definitely the nerves were there because they had a really, really good chance towards the end of the game, too, that I was like, man, if they would have made that, I don't know if we scored. They had a, they had a corner right at the end of the game. Could have been game over. But the one thing about, I keep saying, no matter what, this team's just going to keep fighting. And like that's honestly, sometimes when you follow sports, when you follow teams, that's like the one thing that you're just like, are you guys going to just keep fighting to try and win? Or like, don't give up. Like, it may not be going your way. And there were moments where, I mean, I'm going to credit Brighton. They did a really good job of just making the game sort of messy, just in midfield, just creating problems, like making sure that, and like Dunk was, he was really, really good. Like he had a couple of yeah. bad moments, but across the game, like there were so many moments where you're like, oh, here we go. And Dunk is just in the way. So like, I've always thought he's a, he's a good um, center back and he showed it. Um, we then showed that we have quality in certain areas and, um, made some really, really decent attacking plays to get the goals. But um, yeah, Brighton's not a pushover team. And they're the kind of team that's going to press you high and they're going to create problems. And they did that, um, you know, almost scored a couple goals. If they had Jao Pedro, maybe it's a different game, but we could also say the same thing. If we started Sunny, maybe we would have been on a, might've run away with the game. So game state could have changed in, in many ways, but I feel like winning the game, and this is our, I think, our third stoppage time winner this season. So, uh, hey, if that kind of thing continues, if we keep getting wins in the last minute, I'm not going to care how we get the wins. Yeah, I would just, I would, I would go with uh, consistently inconsistent. That's been kind of the story of our season so far. 
And and this one was the same way. And it was really like you hear tale of, of two halves. This was more like a tale of three periods. It was like the first 30 minutes, Brighton definitely got the better of us. Uh, leading up to halftime, though, it seemed like we were starting to get to grips with the game. And then the first 15 minutes or so after halftime, it seemed like we were also kind of on the ascendancy. Um, that's right when Sar scored that goal, I think it was probably about 15, 20 minutes into the second half. And then, uh, you know, Postacoglu made those changes that seemed like he had planned them prior to the goal and then kind of stuck with them. But it seemed like our team had to reset at that point, uh, the midfield in particular, to figure out how to break that press again. So then we were kind of stagnant for the last 30 minutes and then into extra time. Obviously, everybody knows what happened with the Sunny assist, the breakaway for Brennan Johnson. Um, but yeah, it's a... You know, we, we've, we've struggled to put together consistency consistency for large, you know, portions of the game. And I feel like we've seen a lot of this, actually, which is start bright and then maybe even start the second half bright. Um, I think this one, I think Kimmy alluded to this, but it was us trying to figure out how to break down the press. And it's like we finally started to figure out how to do it. Uh, it seemed like Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky were kind of coming to the game a little bit more. Um Probably not great timing on the substitutions. Not that I blame him because I think he wanted to get fresh legs on there, but it seemed like right when we were finally starting to figure out how to play through their press is when those subs came on. And like I said, it, it seemed like almost a bit of a reset at that point, but credit in the end because his, his subs came good. I mean, two of the subs linked up for the the, uh, the goal at the, at the death. And that was a sun-filled goal because we had – Mattis Sun playing to Richarlison, who then played to Sun, and then assisted to Johnson. Uh, so we got we got all of our sons touching the ball right. Uh, at oh, the end don't of the forget game. Emerson. Emerson was the only one that was uh, left behind on that one. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Emerson's always there in spirit. Uh, he we he we would have got a banger comp video if he was involved in that goal too. So maybe next time. Well, I'm I, you know speaking of the bench, I think that's the best place to start because the big story coming into this game is obviously the fact that all the players are back. Um, we still have a few outlying injuries, but for the most part, the players that you want are available. Um, Sar and Sonny and Basuma are back with the team. Van Deven's back from injury. Bentinker's back from injury. And so it felt like there was a lot of options for Ange to take. And he decided to stick with the... Werner, Richarlison, Kulisevsky front three, um, and then had a midfield of Bentenker, Saar, and Madison, uh, which means on our bench we had Brennan Johnson, Sonny, Basuma, Hoybier, Ben Davis, Ali Skip, Royale, and Dragushin. Um, so this is the strongest bench we've probably had since, I don't know, October. Um, I think I feel like everything always goes back to that uh, Chelsea game, which is, seems like the the real turning point of the, the season. But um, I guess even before the game started, what were you guys' thoughts on the lineup that we used? Um, I was kind of surprised um, that Sonny didn't start, but it made sense considering that he had um, played more games than anyone else while he was away. But just curious to know, like, thoughts or opinions on the, the lineup decisions. I think it it also is like yes we have all the all the toys back and all the boys but 
it's also like they haven't played together in a while, right? They had a little bit of, of practice depending on when people came back, but I think it's going to take a little while for, for all of the, the squad to find its, uh, its groove back together. Um, right. As, as, um, uh, interwoven and connecting of a, of a sport as, as soccer is, you know, it's different than a baseball lineup of once, you know, once you have the, the new pieces in, there's not as much uh, interplay and, and those kind of things with a, with a batting lineup as there is an attacking um, or an entire 11 in soccer. So I think it's good to have everybody. I was, I was, I think it'd be time to give, you know, Kulisevsky a little bit of a, of a rotation maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was, I was not super surprised to see um, Sonny come off the bench because like you said, he did play a lot and it is, you know, it, it's, it's adding too many things, too many new things, even if they're all in theory, uh, the better things right off the box or right out of the box when they, when they haven't played as, as enough uh, together of, of recent. So I thought it made sense. I think we'll see, you know, a handful of changes here heading into the, uh, to the next match though. I mean, you make yeah, the I point would... about Kulisevsky and I feel like he's, uh, it seems like he's been struggling a bit for me. Um, there were a few moments even in the game uh, against Brighton where it felt like he had maybe some opportunities, but he wasn't really looking to shoot. Um, I don't know. His decision making in the final third has been a little lacking for me. Um, and I, I I wonder if that might have been part of the reason why he got yanked, um, in the sixty third minute when those subs came on. Um, but yeah, I I feel like we've talked about this with other players who you know whether it was Richarlison or Brennan Johnson, um, who kind of had some rough patches where they didn't really seem to be clicking. And then they got some time on the bench and, and were able to come in as subs and make an impact. And I wonder if it's if it's that time for Decky as well. Yeah, I would say the the lineup was pretty much what I expected. I did not expect Sonny to start um, just because he came back, I think, on like Wednesday or Thursday um, back to Hotspur Way. So, you know, long flights and that kind of stuff. I just didn't expect him to start. But the one person I was really excited to see in the lineup with Sar because I there's just something that he offers a team that I just don't feel like we get from our other midfielders um the way he just mops up play um his engine is unmatched I think in the midfield so I feel like there are things that he does that no one else does for us and when he's not there we we really miss it so there were less moments on the right side where I felt like Pedro Poor was getting attacked um and I feel like there were moments where he could actually play up. And I feel like in previous games, when Sar wasn't there, you'd see Poro really, really defending, which, you know, we needed. But I I think Sar being there gives him the the freedom to just go forward more often. Yeah. Um, I mean, this game was pretty frustrating for a lot of the moments. It felt like, you know, like Ben was saying, like the first phase of the game – like we really just couldn't even complete a string of passes. And I think the thing that jumped out to me the first time I saw the game and then I actually rewatched it over the weekend and the same thing jumped out at me is like, they're just passing the ball way better than we are. Like they just, they seemed a lot sharper. Um, and I would even say for majority of the game, I mean, there were certainly moments where we had more momentum, but I wouldn't say that I was particularly impressed. And I think there is something to say, obviously, about like being able to win a game late, particularly when you aren't playing your best football. Um, the ball position stats are pretty even. We had 52% to their 48. Um, we had way more shots, 16 to 6. But 
um, just watching the way that the game played out, it, it did feel like we were really like pushing for it in the last uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and maybe at that point, they're probably just trying to leave with a draw. But it did feel like there was a little bit more um, intent there. And like you said, um, I think Kim was saying, making the point about Lewis Dunk, who was just like sliding in for tackles. Every time it looked like we were going to get a, a good shot on goal, he was there uh, knocking the ball out of bounds or sliding in front of a, a, a to block a shot. Um, and then ironically, he goes into to block of the ball that ends up bouncing off of the post for Saar to put in our first goal. Um, so that was just kind of bad luck on his part. But yeah, I don't know. It, th this was not a performance that I uh, would probably want to watch again. Um, it, it didn't leave me super inspired, but obviously the the end was interesting um, because, you know, as long as, as long as you get the three points, I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't know. It it it, feel, it feels like we are going to kind of have to work our way back to where we were before everybody got hurt because it certainly doesn't feel like the team is there right now. No, it's not firing on all cylinders, but it it for a while there there all the cylinders weren't there. So getting those guys piece by piece. Um and uh shockingly, I didn't look too closely at the XG on this one, but it it like you said, it wasn't like we were just we we had a lot of shots, but it didn't feel like it was oh my god, we're blowing chance after chance or anything like that. But it it felt no. like uh we were we were starting to, you know, not as um prolific as the that first 10 minutes of the second half against Brentford as a couple games ago but we did feel like we came out of half with a a lot more fire and and tenacity and accuracy on passes and things like that um and man when those when those subs happened like that you said Joel he had uh Ange clearly had made that decision before the goal went in but then when the goal went in and then those subs came on and and you know one of them it's sunny it felt like oh yeah like we were going to make these subs to chase a goal. Now we're making these subs and we're going to get another goal. Like it was kind of like, man, I'd be terrified if I was a Brighton Hove Albion fan. Um, then it was, yeah, it was a bit weird. We're like, kind of then it was like, well, wait, all this pressure, we were just creating all this link up that just started, started to go through, broke through. Why would we take three of those guys that were in part responsible for it to do that? But it was kind of awesome to see those subs come on if it felt a little bit clunky at the time. Um, and there's not always going to be as direct, uh, dividends from from subs and sometimes the subs aren't going to be paying dividends but you know uh at least in, in uh at the end of it it looked like those were those were the right ones but yeah i think we've got only 14 matches left on the season so there's not a ton of time um to uh to really be be hitting the stride and figuring out um how to be rolling on all cylinders or firing on all cylinders uh for the rest of the season but uh but we've I mean, granted, that's still like soon. a third of the season left. So yeah, true, true. It just feels like I guess without having any other competitions and um and like looking at the schedule, especially like I, I think I do this every February if we are already out of a of a, a domestic cup or in this case both domestic cups. Yeah, that seems to you be play our trend. So many games in <laughs> in December, and I'm like, cool, all right, fine. Next game, two more days. Next game, three more days, and then like we get here in January when there's an FA Cup break and we're not in it. And then there's going to be a Champions League stuff midweek happening. And then you're kind of like, oh, wait, we only have one game a week for the next three months. OK, it seems like this has been written about ad nauseum since the match. But uh, Brighton's marking was pretty crazy. <laughs> like they had one of their center backs marking Madison one to one to the point where he was sometimes, you know, further forward than their you know, forwards themselves. 
And that's the, going back to what you guys were saying about dunk. Like he was defending by himself most of the game because of the, the, the way they were man marking. Um, it was a pretty interesting system and it seemed to really uh, baffle uh, Spurs for, you know, the first 30 minutes or so. Um, and that's where, uh, you know, like, I guess we're not, I'm not breaking news here or anything, but according to uh, all the stat heads and the, and the uh, tactics people, it's basically what we needed was for our midfielders to, to break their back line, which is where you saw Sar come in with his goal. And that's where it seemed like, we were talking about the, you know, the substitutions. It seemed like both Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky were just starting to get comfortable with the press that Brighton were um, employing. And that's, again, I, I don't necessarily blame for the subs. Maybe take a few more minutes after that Sargle to see how things are, are panning out after that. But um, yeah, it's uh we we really seem to struggle with their 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 man marking um press and then as we saw with we've seen a couple times that we've already mentioned spurs are good late in games because we keep going and a lot of times that's the other side their press is starting to tire and they just have a, have a hard time sticking with us and that's where we have fresh legs to get behind that you know the back line beat the press um and you saw what sunny delivered with that pretty much inch perfect assistant to Johnson one thing I'd like to note and again I think this has been talked about or written about plenty but um we were really hesitant to go over the top when when some when a team is pressing us high with a, a high back line especially Vicario he, he his his distribution up close his quick distribution and he's good with the ball at his feet but he does not seem to be able to play those balls over the top and hopefully that's something he can add to his game um it seems like it might be something we need for for some of these teams in the Premier League that are going to press that way. City and Brighton being two of the the most obvious, and I, I think Arsenal probably and a host of others. But yeah, it would probably be good if we could get some kind of over the top um, element added to our game, whether that's Vicario or Romero or even Madison dropping deep with with Sar and whoever it may be breaking the lines. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like that's what we were kind of crying out for, and that's how we scored both our goals in the end. That goal at the end, um, obviously, you know, another late winner, another Tottenham Hotspur crazy finish. And the goal, and I don't know if, if this is VAR to blame or who it is to blame, but right at the end when that goal went in, I was like almost scared to celebrate because I wasn't sure if the goal counted. I think part of it had to do with the fact that Brendan Johnson had such a nonplussed reaction. So chill. He, he just Ice seemed cold. so he just it, it was almost like he missed. And then they pan to Ange in the sideline and he's like, he gives a little fist pump, but he's barely smiling. And I was like, did that go count? Like I, I was like, I wasn't sure for a second. The crowd's going nuts, but the crowd, you know, is always gonna go nuts when a goal goes in. And I was like waiting for bad news, and then it was just like, oh, it's two one. Like, oh, okay, great. Like it was it was a bit of a delayed reaction. Um, and I also feel like at first, the way that the ball left his foot, you're like, did he did it actually go in? You know, so you saw the net move, but then like like you said, like he just had like a super cool, just like jogged off and just kind of with very muted reaction, especially compared to the one that he had uh against Brentford, uh, where he was, you know, kind of shoving it in Neil Mope's face. 
his reaction in this game, especially for him to literally win it in the last minute of the match, was so cool and calm that I was like, uh, did we score or not? <laughs> like, it was a little bizarre, but wow. Um, this is a game, like I said, where I wasn't super impressed by the gameplay, and I feel like the game was pretty even. If it had ended 1-1, I wouldn't have felt like we were hard done by or that, you know, we dropped two points. Um, but obviously happy to get the three points, even in a game that wasn't super impressive. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think that's true. I, I think that it, while it wasn't a stunning display, we did, uh, you know, we outperformed them expected goals. And I know the stats can be misleading because it did seem like they had the better of us for most of the game. But we did um, edge them in possession, barely in pass, uh, you know, completed passes by a little bit, and then um, in expected goals. And uh, Brighton's good; they're a really good team. I know that they're they're you know their place in the league right now is is maybe doesn't show how good they are because they're kind of a weird team where they'll they'll knock off the big boys and then lose four 0 to you know a mid table or something. League. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of, yeah, they're, they're a little Jekyll and Heidi, but they definitely get up for these big games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely pleased to come away with three points. I'm pleased that we didn't, you know, I don't think this is like we stole three points by any means. I think that you could have seen this be a draw. You could have seen Brighton win. Um, but I think overall, I mean, again, stats can be misleading, but if you look at the kind of, the kind of key stats we did just barely edge them in most of them. And then that's what happens when you have a great opportunity at the end of the game and put it away, you know? So I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about where we're going. I, I getting all our guys back right now, like Jesse was mentioning earlier, they're going to be a little rusty. Basuma has played how many premier league games in the last two plus months. I mean, he had a four game suspension going into international duty, blah, blah, blah. Benton Kerr coming back from a year-long injury and then another sideline injury. I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody to kind of get things together. I And I like Basuma in this game. I thought he looked really good when he came on. He um, did, maybe, yeah. Maybe that that also helped for him to come up off the bench. Um, As we said, you know, with the three points, this was a, a big three points for us, which keeps us in fourth place. Um, Aston Villa is breathing down our neck. They're a point behind us. They lost to United to stay in fifth. Uh, United's now breathing down their neck in sixth. And and just looking at Villa's latest run of games, their last five matches, they've only picked up four points. So they are they are kind of trending downward. And I think if you're a Man U fan, you're probably licking your chops and saying, we have already taken six points off them this season. We can probably leapfrog them. Um, so the good news for us is that we, we maintain a, a very slim uh, lead on the fourth position. Um, we're still five points away from Arsenal and City. Uh, City also has a game in hand. So it's going to be uh, interesting, especially with a whole 14 games left to play. Um, we still have to play pretty much all of these teams, Arsenal, City, and Liverpool especially. Um, so there's, there's still going to be a lot of movement um, when we look at the top half of the table. But I think just thinking about us playing 24 of, of the 48 games already this season, um, you know, it, it feels like the league table is starting to make sense of itself um, in that I feel Wait, like. Just real we, quick, just, uh, did you say 24, 48? Just, just for 20, 24 of 38. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, 24 of 38. Um, 
but yeah, I was saying like it's it, the league table seems like it's making sense of itself. Just looking at where people are um, or where teams are on the table, they all feel kind of accurate. Like we we feel like we're probably the fourth best team in the league, um, and so like it. I think it's really just a matter of being able to kind of continue on that path and and see how how far we can take it. Um, but as of right now, based on how the season's played out, I think fourth is pretty accurate. Um, if we were any lower than this, I'd probably feel a little hard done by, but I don't feel like we've played better than any of the teams ahead of us. Um, and so at this point, it's really just a matter of like, all right, we're playing one game a week. We've got everybody back. Knock on wood. We don't have any more major injuries. And like, let's let's see how many more points we can pick up. And we've we've started to turn things around. If you look at a little bit of the of the the longer, longer than the the form, um, last five will show you on uh, on most uh, uh, table looks. But right, because we started out scorching, went undefeated in our first ten or uh, twelve games or something like that, and then had that horrid stretch that began with the the Chelsea bludgeoning when bodies were just dropping all over the place. And I think we lost four out of five. Um, but since that, so since December 10th, which has been uh, nine Premier League matches, not looking at the Cups, um, we've got six wins um, and two draws and just one loss. So 20 points in our last nine. So just slightly above that uh, that uh, two points a game um, average you want to have to try to secure a top four, or top five position. So it hasn't looked as attractive given that we've alternated uh, – draws and uh and wins the last uh the last five matches drawing away and winning at home um but you know it's it's felt less steady and it, it's definitely not as many wins a few more draws mixed in there than that opening stretch of the season but you know despite that that a lot of that has been with uh with missing guys i think we're in we're in a good spot to make a make a run here as people get um as the healthy guys return and start feeling more comfortable in the lineup yeah and no, i think that's right like we we basically we, um, I don't know the, a good analogy or sports analogy for basically a health serve or whatever you want to call it for um, that period of time where we were depleted. Um, we we were able to kind of wade through that that period and pick up enough points to keep us in it. Now that we're getting back to full strength, this is where we need to actually pick up points. Like, because we, we, you know, we, we're going to have some, uh, there's a tough, um, set of fixtures. I can't remember what it is. I know you guys have brought this up earlier this season, but we're going to be playing. I, I, like I said, I can't remember the, the specifics, but basically three or four of the top teams in a fairly quick succession. So right now is the time to pick up points and then try to weather that period. And then hopefully we'll be in a good position towards the end of the season to, uh, you know, to, to finish strong. But now that we are getting close to full strength, this is where we really need to, have things start to click and then pick up full points because if we were to um, have some of the, while December was, was really good for the, the, the circumstances we were playing within uh, we'll need to pick up more points than that over the next month or two, if we're going to stay where we are and potentially get higher up the table. We talk about that difficult patch at the end of the season. Um, that's basically from April 20th to May 4th, we play, all three of the teams that are ahead of us in the table right now, consecutively back to back to back, uh, Man City at home, Arsenal at home, and then Liverpool away at Anfield. 
Um, and that's right at the end of the season uh, because after the Liverpool game, there's only two more uh, games left against Burnley and Sheffield. Um, so those are two games that, I mean, you, you want to beat Burnley and Sheffield every time regardless, but those would probably be even more important depending on how uh, those games against the, the other three teams uh, pans out. So it is going to be a really difficult end of the season with three humongous matches back to back to back, which to your point means that, you know, from, from February and March, uh, these are really the games that we have to pick up. And I might as well mention this now because uh, we were slated to play Chelsea away in a couple weeks. That game has been postponed because Chelsea has to play in the Carabao Cup final that same weekend against Liverpool. So we don't know when that game's going to be rescheduled. And, and there's a decent chance that we'll have to also add on that Chelsea match at some point towards the latter uh, portions of the season as well. So um, there's going to be a lot of huge matches once springtime comes um, that could really make or break the season. And I think the biggest and most important thing for Spurs right now in the middle of February is to just win the games that you're supposed to win. Um, some of these less sexy matches against your forests and your wolves, uh, just pick up the points and keep it rolling uh, so that when those challenging games come towards the end of the season, you have a little bit of a, of a foothold to be able to, to push on for that top four spot. Yeah, and I think it's important to pick up the points, obviously, but I would really love some emphatic wins, like how we were looking at the beginning. I would really love us to start clicking because I just feel like that would breed confidence. And that's what we really need going into this, these tough stretches. Obviously, points on the board is the most important part. But if we could have our team just brimming with confidence and, you know, again, knock on wood, fingers crossed, not get too depleted by injuries. Um, I seen our depth at the wings, like being able to bring on uh, Brennan Johnson and Timo Werner when you have tired legs and after having Sonny and Kulisewski kind of battle, you know, batter them down. That's a pretty scary prospect for, for these teams. If we could just have them get, you know, the final ball more often. I do actually, I wonder, I was going to ask you guys what you think about, um, we've talked about how Brennan Johnson and uh, Timo Werner are kind of similar in terms of pacing wingers that get in behind. They're not exactly bought the feet, beat your guy type wingers, you know, um, Whereas Son is a, a little bit of a blend and Kulisewski's usually not like known for his pace. Do you think the balance dictates that you would have Son with Johnson or, or Werner with Kulisewski? Or do you think that we just put on Kulisewski and Son and then let the burners go for the last 20 minutes? Or I'm just curious your thoughts because I've been kind of puzzling that one. Yeah, I think it probably is a little bit matchup dictated depending on what the other fullbacks or or people that we're looking at, depending on not only the the speed um and recoverability of the of the team that we're playing, but also, you know, depending on on what the other team's match congestion and fixture congestion looks like, right? Like if, you know, in that stretch where we play City and and um depending on when our Chelsea game gets rescheduled, when we play City and Pool and Newcastle, teams that are having more European or cup competitions and they've got, they're going to be, you know, starting some, um, you know, not that you can decide before, but if it looks like they're going to be starting some of their better players, but they might have a little bit more miles on them this year, 
then maybe maybe go double afterburners and just start smoking people down the fullbacks like the Kyle Walker and Danny Rose days. Yeah, I think it is a little bit matchup dependent. You're also looking at form. Um, so, you know, when, when players are playing well and they're playing with confidence, that that's usually when you want to give them more opportunities. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think these are really good problems to have. Um, I can remember not so long ago when you kind of knew who our starting 11 was going to be every week because we didn't really have a lot of guys to challenge them on the bench and or we had managers who were too rigid in their lineup decisions. And so even when guys were in poor form, they you knew they were still going to start. We're in a much different space now um, with our team. And I think obviously, you know, we've talked about this on the pod before, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that so much of the team is new. And so much of the team was brought on to support Ange Postacoglu's system. And so with that, I think you have more options and you have fewer players who the coach is looking at and saying, like, I don't want to play this guy. Um, and when we have had players like that, they've they've left, um, whether that's Jed Spence or Hugo Lloris or anybody in between. Um, there aren't really too many like players like that left. Um, even, you know, a player like Hoybier, who you thought might, might not really fit into Angie's system has found a space for himself. Um, maybe the only guy that we have left like that is maybe Brian Hill. Um, but even he's played minutes, um, under Ange simply because, you know, we needed him to, and, and guys were hurt and he's not as rigid as like a Jose or a Conte who's going to say like, I'm not playing this person no matter what. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's a a good problem to have, especially in your attacking positions. Um, when you're trying to look for a goal, you have players that you can call on on the bench to 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 make something different happen. Where does Salman fit in when he comes back? Is he supposed to be pretty close? I mean, that's a great question <laughs> because, um, yeah, um, I think you know if Solomon's healthy, if Sonny doesn't go to the Asian Cup, we probably don't get Timo Werner. Um, now that we have gotten him and he's he's had, you know, positive performances, I would say. Um, he's played, what, four or five games. He has two assists. Um, he's made things happen. He hasn't scored any goals, but I feel like he's been a positive on that left side. Um, and now that Sun's back, you, you figure he's going to be now one of the first players off the bench, um, if not starting on the right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's going to be tricky for Solomon to try to find his way back into the team um, after being away for so long. Is he more on the left or right? For some reason, I remember being on the left, but I remember him being on the left as well. Um, yeah. I think that game that he had two or three assists, he was on the left. So maybe that's why we're just remembering his, his best of times. But I, I also feel like it was him that was like, he can play a few different spots up front. Like, cause we're, people were so underwhelmed by, um, you know, a free signing that then it was like, hey, like he can actually be a little bit of a Swiss Army knife in the in the front. Yeah, and he can hopefully offer us something that we don't have, which is a winger that puts in crosses. <laughs> I mean, I know that we have some of those early ball low crosses from from Werner and Johnson and Son in this last game, um, but we don't really have what you know. I think their strong suit. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about, and I know Kim has talked about a lot, which is, again, a dribbly winger that can kind of beat his man and put a cross in. Um, Kuliseski can kind of do that sometimes, but he seems a little, uh, I guess, predictable in there, and 
seems to have a little, I, I would actually, sorry, I'm changing topics here, but I would, I would only slightly, but I would like to see Kulisewski take a little bit more shots. Like when he, his first yeah. year here, <laughs> he would get, he would put that like, yeah, get it on the left foot and just put that kind of bending arcing shot on it a lot. And he hasn't done that. And I, I don't know if that's his position just because he's, he's too wide. Cause it doesn't seem like he's, uh, or if it's, he's a little, little, yeah. I mean, he received the pass. He received the pass against Brighton in the penalty box, and he didn't even look at the goal. He was basically just trying to find Richarlison to feed him. And I'm like, dude, shoot the ball. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with him, but he certainly does not seem to have the same attacking sense. Um, certainly not the same sense that he had at the beginning of the season, where he scored, you know, that late winner. I think it was against Sheffield. Um, we're not seeing him him take those chances um in the same way and 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 i wonder um how much of that may come with the team starting to click again now that guys are back yeah i wonder how much of that is system based where Ange i know likes to have his wingers play wide and you know get balls in the box but how much of that is kulisevsky himself kind of yeah being a little hesitant and uh just not kind of I guess taking the game by the scruff and and trying to to dictate a little bit more. I mean, again, the 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 beginning of the second half in this past game, he started to look a, a little bit more in control because he's really good at holding the ball up for the wing. We have it's weird how different our wingers are, right? Sonny's a little bit of a hybrid. Uh, again, Werner and Johnson are mo mostly get behind like with the through ball and don't have to worry about trying to beat their man. They already beat their man on the run. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, Kulseski is definitely not that type of, of, uh, of winger Solomon. We'll see. It's, it's a weird balance that we have. Um, I'm curious to see how it'll, how it'll pan out. Cause we haven't seen other than son, any of our wingers like stake their claim. Johnson uh, has had a weird season because he's, he kind of reminds me how Sun was a little while ago, where if he doesn't score or assist, he doesn't really do that much else, right? Like his his value is almost purely in production numbers, not the stuff that you can't see. He, he disappears yeah. from games, and yeah. like, so I, I think it was um, I think it was extra inch was talking about this uh, about him being basically he's like a a poaching winger, but he's done pretty well at that. I mean. He's he's scored some important goals. He's he's done a pretty good job. He seems like the ideal candidate for that late substitution, seventy minutes, and having that guy run at you. Um, yeah, it does feel like all his goals are like late runs into the box that he just taps in. Right. Um, but yeah, um, there, I mean, there's there's obviously I mean, a, a, like, a space for him to do like that. But I feel like that's the system. That's the system. Like, how many goals have we had that are just like crosses Breaking in that gets tapped in? I feel like that's part of what Ange likes. And from its football is getting crosses into the box and quickly trying to make those turn into goals. I feel like that's what we look for. And if you look for a bunch of Richarlison's goals, um, the athletic had an article about how he's been one more touch, likely yeah. to do one touch, two touches. And I think Ange looks for that from his front three people who will get the ball in the box and people who will quickly try to score off of those um, and putting balls in dangerous positions. So I feel like, the in general, they're the goals that we score look like goals that Ange wants us to score. It's 
it's not, we don't score that many. If you look at the number of goals we've scored, how many of those have been outside of the box? How many of those have been screamers? Most of them have been inside the box, like actually creating problems. So um, yeah, the way I look at it is Johnson and Kulisevsky both have had moments where you're like, yes, they're doing the, they're doing great things, but they've also been had moments where you're like, I would like more from you. And so now we're actually at a point where we can rotate them. And that's just something that we have not been able to do for, I mean, but two or three months at this point, it, like the time just keeps going on. You're like, when do we play Chelsea? That was what, October, November, maybe. So being able November. to actually, yeah, November. So being able to actually have players that we can rotate in that, like like you said, Kulisewski really might need to, in the same way that Johnson sat down a couple weeks ago, might just need to sit down and see the game from the bench and see where he can find pockets of space, where he can make things happen. And right now we have the ability to do that. So um, we'll see what Ange does in terms of rotation um, against Wolves. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm pretty positive about the team in general because this still is just the first year of this project. This still, we're still only but seven or eight months into what this project looks like. And we have high hopes of what it should look like it doesn't always result that way. And there are ways that the team can get better. There are ways that we can show improvement. And, you know, I hope that stuff just can continues and having one game a week should help us with time on the pitch with working with these players all together. So, um, you know, hoping to see a, a better performance against Wolves. I know that's our bogey team, but um, still hope to see a better performance. One thing I would like to see more of, and hopefully Sun coming back, is somebody more with kind of interlinking with Madison, like the through balls or the the one twos with Madison? Because I feel like right now, since Madison's come back, it's not like he's not doing anything. He's doing plenty, but his is mostly dropping deep and making things happen from there. It, it, he hasn't been as active in, you know, direct goal producing plays essentially. And I think that I don't think that's as much on Madison necessarily. I mean, he's a little rusty, but on the fact that like our forwards, at least for the last, you know, month or so are not the type of players that do that kind of interlocking play. Like, as, like we talked about with uh, mostly Johnson and, and um, Burner is they're much more run onto the ball and try to get a low cross in or a cutback. We're not really attacking from the middle of the field very often, very much. And, and maybe that is just Angela's style, but I feel like at the beginning of the season, we were seeing a lot more of Madison being directly involved in goal scoring opportunities or shots himself. And I don't know who that player is. I, like I said, Sun might be, um, I'm not, I don't even, maybe, maybe Sar, you know, maybe Benton Curphy's playing the eight. We'll see, but I, I just feel like, especially against those, those low block teams, we need to be able to figure out a way to attack in the middle of the park. And that's one thing that we've struggled a lot with. Well, this is the Quasarus podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Quasarus podcast and subscribe. If you haven't subscribed already looking ahead, our next match this weekend is against those tricky, tricky wolves. And I, I was I was thinking in my head, I feel like every season we end up splitting the games between them where we win one and lose one. And looking back over the history of our games against Wolves, that seems pretty accurate. Um, just even going back all the way to like the 1920 season, we won one, we lost one. 
2021, we drew one, we won one. And then the last few seasons, it's been splits. Um, I thought you were talking about the year 1920 at first. I was like, that's a shit ton of research. Yeah, I went went all the way back. I don't think Fat Mob goes that far back. Look at (laughs) matchups for the past 100 years. Um, World War One. yeah. Yeah, um, so obviously we know what happened in the first match against Wolves earlier this season uh, where we gave up two late goals to lose the game right at the death. Um, After scoring in the third minute, uh, we basically held a 1-0 lead for the entirety of the match before Wolves scored at 90 plus 1 and 90 plus 7 to take all three points. So, you know, we talked about how we owed some smoke to Brighton last week. We definitely owe smoke to Wolves uh, coming up this weekend. This is going to be another home game, which is great to have so many of them uh, back-to-back. And, um, you know, we'll have our Sonny back. They'll also have Huang back, uh, who were playing as as teammates on the South Korean team. Um, he did not play for Wolves last week. Um, in their loss to Brentford. He wasn't on the bench at all, so I don't know if he's hurt or if they were just resting him. Um, But their form has been up and down for most of the season, which is pretty consistent with what we've seen from Wolves over the past few years. They are right in the middle of the table at 11th, uh, three points, uh, two points behind Chelsea at 10th. Um, So they're sitting on 32 points um, while we are on 47. Um. I do like the fact that this game is at home. Um, and like I said, I, I feel like we should be able to um, take some motivation from the way that we lost that away fixture. Um, so hopefully with a little bit more confidence from that late win against Brighton, um, we can come out with a little bit more intent than we had uh, last weekend and, and, and maybe, you know, be able to, to put some goals up. It, it's kind of funny that we, finished the game with a 2-1 win, which is like the score prediction that we always default to. And ironically, nobody picked Not a single win. person. <laughs> I know. The one time it, it actually happens, uh, nobody picked it. So let's see if we can do a little bit better this week against Wolves. Um, I'm actually going to kick things off here, and I'm going to go 3-1. Um, I think if we can score a goal or two early, um, you know, I, I'm still not confident in our ability to keep clean sheets, but I do think we can get three against Wolves um, if we start the game the right way. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you. I think I'm going to take it up one other notch. I'm going to go four two. I just I could see this being. I know that's a, a little. Like I said last week, might as well start just picking some high scoring games because there we go. Why the hell not, right? But. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, One thing I, about I, Spurs games, there's going to be goals, <laughs> whether it's us Wolf, or the opposition. There's going to be goals. When Wolves have been playing a lot more open since uh, I can't remember who their manager is now, but since their current manager took over, they have not been playing their kind of like low block, more defensive, counterattacking style that they were before. Um, and then I could see Spurs kind of going balls to the wall because at home everybody's back, everybody's had a little bit of minutes in their legs. Um, we'll have the ability to rotate. Um, yeah, I, I, I just could see this as kind of like a, a track meet a little bit. At least they don't have Triori anymore, but um, I could see this as a back and forth. And with the amount of attackers Spurs have at their disposal now, yeah, I just, I mean, I would hope that 
as long as we can get some kind of continuity. That was what we were missing from the Brighton game, like we, we spoke about. When the subs came on, <clears throat> it completely disjointed everything. I'm hoping that things will be a little smoother transition-wise. And I, I hope that basically we start really strong. Maybe there's some – what I want is actually the inverse of the Brighton game, where we're the Brighton, where we play the first half hour and the last half hour really, really well and maybe score two goals at the first half hour and two goals in the last half hour, something like that. Like get off to a hot start and then maybe just defend the game in midfield and then towards the end when they have tired legs, we put in another couple past them. So, um yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a lively game. Like I said, I, I don't want I, – I obviously – I want Spurs to pick up all the points on these next two games in particular, but I would really love some kind of emphatic wins. I'd love some statement games of, like, this is how we're playing now that we're full strength. So I'll, I'll wish cast that one. There we go. I got an Adama Traore stat. Um, About how much oil he uses? <laughs> No, non don't that's uh it's an unquantifiable number, but um <laughs> let's just see how many goals do you think he's scored against uh Tottenham in his career in the league? Zero, Zero. <laughs> it's two, it's actually two, um, <laughs> which is not a ton, but then also it is relatively for him because he only has he's 10 Premier League goals. goals, so it's 20% <laughs> of his goals have come against Spurs in um uh, 199 uh appearances uh in the premier league so obviously we don't have Wait, to worry where about is him. he now though he's yeah, a full I was gonna say he, all right that's what I thought. he's uh, only played so we do uh, have to worry about him later on this this season. he's only i don't know if we will unless they just unless they just like knock the knock the 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 rust off of him because he's only played in five matches for a total of 50 minutes this year so it does not seem like he's getting much run what a in, weird uh, career trajectory. We should have an entire podcast just about Adama Traore at some point. I mean, I would listen to it if I wasn't on it. I, you know, I so wanted weird. him at Spurs for a while. But yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I don't I know that like that that for. I feel like we, Wolves, when I think of Wolves, I think of more low scoring affairs, but it's been um, they've let in and they've scored some some goals this year. I don't know if I'm going to go as as high as. uh as four two, I Ben was talking, talking my language and making it, making it sound exciting for a high scoring one like that. But um, I think I'm just gonna go with the. Maybe this is a jinx, but just with what Joel mentioned before, I'm just gonna go with a two one Spurs win. Somebody's got to do it. An attractive, uh, an attractive, more attractive match could have been even three, but I think we get two across. And then in like the 78th, we let one back in, and then it's a nervy 15 minutes of uh, of Spurs excitement um, towards the end and for the neutrals. But I think Spurs win uh, 2-1. They stop alternating uh, wins and draws. They keep the streak going of of home wins that, 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 that they've been on for a little bit. So 2-1, Spurs win. Um, I'll even go so far as to say uh, two Suns score a goal. I won't tell you which ones. But two of the Suns <laughs> score a goal. That's hedging for sure. Wait, wait can you can you give us a, an expected goal prediction? Uh two point two four to zero point nine eight. Two point two four. Uh, well, we're so you're saying it's going to end up being pretty uh, by the books in terms of expected goals to actual goals. Yeah, which no, doesn't yeah. often happen, but um, but it, when it does, it's it's very exciting uh, for XG fans like myself. For for, for, for what for what it's worth, Jose saw their goalie is um is really good shot stopper. He's so pretty good, yeah. I I really like him, and I I imagine he's probably not gonna let in any any real uh, bloopers. So 
we're gonna have to work the goals that we this get. This is where Timo Werner gets one off his ass. I'll oh, that would be right amazing. Over, so. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right, so I'm gonna go with three two. We're all going with different predictions today because I was like, I don't want to choose what you guys are choosing that today. Um, but yeah, I I think um Wolves have attacking options. They do like there's moments where they can't score, but it seems like against big six teams or technically big six teams, they tend tend to be able to put up some goals. So, um. I'm still not 100% sold on our defense at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, I could see us definitely giving up an extra goal. So I'll, I'll go 3-2. All right. Well, there it you have it. mostly depends on if are they going to let the, the defenders push Vicario into the net? Because uh, <laughs> if that happens, then yeah. Well, but that's I mean, actually what, what I will say is they put a they, what, what we talked about last last game, put a player between Vicario and their, their offensive player. Mm-hmm. And that happened. Madison – was definitely the guy who was standing right in front of Vicario. And Vicario was pushing Madison as opposed to pushing their player. And so, you know, I feel like a bunch of people were saying the same thing. Like, we need to do this. And it, it happened. They actually. But then they you had to find a better meat shield than Madison. He's probably the smallest guy in the team. We need to. I mean, but, I know. But like, that's why you put. But job, that's but why yeah. you put him because the the other taller players actually need to be man marking the people that are going to try to head the, the, the ball into the goals. So but then Madison's they sent another. They sent a second runner to shove Vicario into the net. <laughs> I mean, if that's when burn. you that's when it might be actually be a foul. Like Yeah. Something's we, gonna we have do, to do with this. Or if you can, keep sending guys running at the keeper, then there's less guys to mark. So if you send three guys at Vicario, then there's three less guys to have to worry about uh about marking. So I mean the way I see it, uh, Spurs fans have been doing a lot of complaining about the the corner kick strategies that other teams have been employing against us. And I'm like, you know, if they're not going to call these fouls, we need to just do the same thing. Like, you know, this wouldn't have happened under. When we take corners, we need to be pushing their 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 goalies. Jose Mourinho, Gianni Vio, Gianni Vio wouldn't have let this slide. (laughs) No, never, never. We need him back. I thought he was all offensive, though. eh? Well, he knows how to like if you know if you know every single way. It's like when when uh you know when criminals start working for the FBI. If you know every way to break into the <laughs> bank, you can tell people, "Hey, here's not here's how to they're going to break into the bank." So put the defense there. So, so he's offensive, we but he knows. Hire Vio as our defensive. Yeah, we should have never let him go. We yeah. never should have let him go. I don't get that. All right, well, Ryan Mason, he's one of our own. Um, that's just <laughs> offense. I, people have been messing this up though. Yeah. Miles Yednak is the defensive. It's uh, Ryan Mason, and then. What's his last name? Yeah, he's the one that's doing the defensive corners, so they split them up. Oh, they got two different guys. All right. Well, whatever. That's how Uh, good Vio is. You got to have an extra guy on the payroll, (laughs) on the freaking another parking spot, another extra little jumper with the initials on it. Another another person to feed at lunchtime, too. I'm just one guy, and and he does it. Yeah, shout out to to Vio. We need you back, bud. Like I want, um, I want to write some fanfic at some point later this year, or maybe next year, if Spurs are making a deep cup run. That's just like Ange in a helicopter lands in this little, this little Italian village. An old man, <laughs> bald but with a huge long beard, finishes his cup of, finishes a little bit of espresso, takes a bite of biscotti, walks out. Ange goes, "Mate, we need you." We've got the we've got a cup final, and we need it. We need to find a goal. And Gianni says, "Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. One last job, 
Take me to North London. I like how you did a perfect Italian edge and then, and then fucking VO is Al Pacino. Yeah. For some reason. Oh, man. Right. Like, You've got me. The whistle well, got Jesse tonight. Yeah, I mean, Spurs, Spurs making a deep cup run. That sounds like fan fiction in and of itself. <laughs> on that note, um, come on, you Spurs. Come on, come you Spurs. Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.